This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with Certified Financial Planner, David Chudik, where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Well, hello, everybody. This is uh, David Chudik, and welcome to episode number 53 of the Weekly Wealth Podcast. And on the Weekly Wealth Podcast, we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth. And as always, my offer to you is um, schedule your 30-minute consultation. Let's sit down either in person if you're comfortable at this point, or let's do it by either Zoom or telephone call. And let's talk about what it's like to work with uh, me as a financial advisor, what it's like to work with our firm, and let's just talk about some of the things that are important to you with regard to your money. And you can do that by emailing david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com, or you can go to my calendar link, which is www.calendly.com slash davidpf. So today I want to talk about the hidden and often forgotten jobs of your financial advisor. One of the perceptions of a financial advisor is that they just handle your investments. So all the time I'll meet somebody new and they'll say, well, if I gave you $100,000 or $500,000, where would you invest it for me right now? And of course, my standard answer always is, well, you know, I really don't know. I don't know much about your situation. I don't know what your goals are. I don't know what your debts are. I don't really know anything about it. And plus, we don't time the market. We're not trying to buy the next hot stock. We, uh, our firm uses a process for investment management. But that's a whole other podcast, and, and you can certainly uh, look that one up as well. But the job of a financial advisor is, in addition to helping to manage assets, there's much, 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 much more to it. And today I want to talk about some of the hidden, the hidden and often forgotten jobs of your financial advisor. So the first one is, has your advisor facilitated or suggested that you have a review of your mortgage? So we all know that um, you know our mortgages and our house um, is, is, is one of our biggest investments that we have. And how we pay for our house, if you're not fortunate enough or haven't worked hard enough to be able to pay cash for your house, typically you have a mortgage, right? So I want to look back at some of the historical mortgage um, rates going back uh, into the 80s. So this, let's say you had a $250,000 mortgage. Now, in some parts of the country, you might be thinking that buys me a one-bedroom house other parts of the country that actually buys you a pretty nice house but um, just bear with me here uh, you know the 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 concept works for any amount so back in 1981 so in 1981 um, if you would have borrowed two hundred fifty thousand dollars your mortgage rate would have been approximately sixteen point six four percent and yes you did hear that right sixteen point six four percent which would have equaled a three thousand four hundred ninety one dollar per month mortgage payment crazy to think um, you know with what we're going through today Um, a couple years later 1984 it would have been 13.88 percent and uh, that would have brought your mortgage payment down to 29.38 per month so maybe your financial advisor uh, a couple years after 1981 said hey you know you might want to think about getting a mortgage review and see if you could uh, get a better rate 1990 you would have been down to 10.13 and that's 22.18 per month so that's twelve hundred dollar savings 1995 7.93 you're down to 18 22 
uh, 2000, you would have been at somewhere around 8.05. So it actually the rates jumped up just a hair. Uh, 2005, good chance you could have been down to about 5.87, which would have brought you down to about 14.78 per month. That's $2,000 down from that original mortgage that maybe you got in 1981. And that maybe would have been a great time for you to consider refinancing or at least having a mortgage review uh, based on the advice of your financial advisor. Let's push forward to 2010, uh, 4.69% at uh, 12.95. 2015, about 3.85% at 11.72. And today, I mean, I've heard of mortgages going for as low as like 2.75%, which is $1,021 per month before your taxes and insurance for a $250,000 loan. So I say this to say that I don't care how good of a job your financial advisor was doing managing your assets. Um, if, if during those times they were not periodically suggesting that you review your mortgage, then I would make the argument that they were failing you. So what do you do? Uh, many mortgage professionals, they'll just take a look at your current situation. They can look at your mortgage paperwork. Uh, they could look at, um, they can even run a credit score or they can get some 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 general information and they could they could make an educated uh, decision on or, or give some advice on hey you know it might be uh, in your best interest to do a refinance right now or a good a reputable mortgage professional would say you know what it wouldn't be in your best interest because there's always fees involved there's closing costs there's points and and um, that's uh, above my pay grade for this but but suffice it to say that it's very important that we look at our entire our entire financial picture and our mortgage is a tremendously large part of it. So is your financial advisor or has your financial advisor suggested that you review your mortgage? Now, another thing, and, and they're not for everyone and they're not for um, all situations, but reverse mortgages can can be an option uh, in periods of, of down markets and other situations. So there are times when, when markets take a dip and, and clients decide, you know what, instead of taking a distribution from my living expenses from my portfolio, uh, I have a reverse mortgage, which is, uh, and I'm going to live off of that money and allow my portfolios to uh, to grow back to their original positions. So again, not for everyone, and these are where you and your advisor and a mortgage professional can discuss the um, the positives and the negatives of those situations. So another job uh, that I really feel like is important for your financial advisor is your financial advisor should be aligning you with professionals uh, that can help uh, take the important items off of our plate, off of our plates. So let's think about it. You know, most of us are busy, especially the entrepreneurs of the world, and we should be using teams to ensure our financial success. So some of the obvious financial team members that all financial advisors talk about are the attorneys and the CPAs. And yes, uh, we're glad to make referrals and introductions because uh, most individuals and business owners do need a CPA and an attorney, but those are not the only ones. So. In dealing with clients, I have uncovered the needs to make introductions to business coaches. So how much of your financial success can be improved if you're running your business 
effectively. So a business coach can handle that. A business coach can also help you to to have less stress and to put processes into place and, and just to work on the challenges in running your business. I've run into the situations where introducing a client to a bookkeeper. Many entrepreneurs are still doing their own books. Now, when you're doing your own books, you're not generating revenue and and you may not even have the the true expertise to do your books properly so i have uh, i've introduced clients to bookkeepers what about health coaches and personal trainers i mean can't you envision a time where you're dealing with just a burnt out uh, client um, as a financial advisor and someone regardless of how much money they have they just need to get their life in track they need to get their health in order and referring to a, a health coach or a personal trainer uh, could be so important and even more important than managing the money so again just to reiterate you know one of their jobs of your financial advisor is to connect you to people that can help you okay because it's not all about just accumulating as much money as possible it's about living a good life and and couldn't a personal trainer help you live a good life couldn't a bookkeeper take some some work off your plate couldn't a business coach help you to uh, run your business with less stress and and who knows who else so i i'm a connector i enjoy connecting clients uh, to people uh, and professionals that can help them another just incredibly incredibly important job of your financial advisor is to help you to at least get the answers to the property and casualty insurance questions that you might have or that you should have. So let's think about all the money that you ever have have now or ever will have. Well, all of that can be taken away or put at risk um, with an insurance claim. So while your financial advisor might not have the specific expertise to answer these questions, he or she should should be giving you some guidance as to which questions to ask to your property and casualty insurance agent. And by the way, they should also be begging and pleading with you not to use an 800 number company. If you're someone with any significant assets, protecting those assets is just way, way, way too important to leave to an 800 number where you'll never speak to the same person twice. So some of these questions that um, I would hope that your advisor would ask you to get the answers to would be, you know, what is my deductible on my different policies? Um, Can I save significant money by raising my deductible? Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't, but these are questions that uh, that you need to ask. Am I insured with the best insurance company or companies for my needs? Now, different insurance companies have different appetites, um, and and certain companies might really want you because of your age, your zip code, your your credit score, your insurance score, and other factors, and and certain companies may not want you, and that's just their appetite. So oftentimes, a good independent insurance agency can shop your, your policies with different companies. What would happen if my roof is damaged? Do you have uh, a different depreciated roof settlement or not. Um, and one of the ones that's very important, and I've run into this one, is do I have a canine liability exclusion? So not to go into too many details, but there are home insurance policies to where liability for damages that your dog does are excluded. So you need to know that. And if you have a dog, uh, you need to make sure that canine liability is not excluded because let's face it, dogs are animals. And if your dog ever caused serious damage to someone, number one, you'd want those damages to be to be paid for. And you'd want this child that got, that got potentially injured to get great care. But number two, you'd much rather have an insurance company pay for it than, than you pay for it out of your savings. So for the purposes of this podcast, 
I mean, we can't possibly go through every insurance question to answer. So please make sure that you are making an attempt to have an insurance review with your agent, you know, every year or so, you know, like I said, every dollar or, or that you have now or every dollar that you ever will have is really kind of riding on the front of your car, right? So if you caused a several million dollar uh, car accident and you're not insured adequately and if your financial advisor has helped you to to um, develop a portfolio that's worth several million dollars, well, guess what? All of that accumulated money could go to pay for the losses. And oftentimes, just an extra endorsement or, or some, some increased coverages can make a tremendous, tremendous difference with your protection plan. Um, another of the um, areas where your financial advisor should be kind of working with you, and it's one of their jobs that's often forgotten, is, is to talk about the what's and the why's. So like, think about these and just answer these for yourself. Like, why do you want to be financially successful? And it's different for everybody. Some, sometimes, uh, you know, you might have, um, you, you want the approval of a parent or, or you want to kind of quote, win over a sibling or, or who knows why, but, but why do you want to be financially successful? And then to piggyback on that, what does financial success mean to you? There's such a broad range of what financial success is. There's even the minimalist movement now where people are are really kind of selling and, and, and living with, with, with minimal minimal uh, material things. So I'm not here to tell you what, uh, what financial success should mean to you, but uh, you should know that. And you should know that if you're married, what financial success means to your spouse, because you can't, you can't achieve success until, until you define it. Um, what makes you feel fulfilled? Uh, does it make you feel fulfilled to go to all of your kids' uh, uh, sporting events? And you know, maybe if it does, sometimes living off a little bit less money and working a little bit less so you can so you can make it to those events is something that's important to you. But what makes you feel fulfilled? And let's try to align money choices um, with that. Um, let's also ask some questions like, what gives you financial stress? We typically advise our clients not to look at CNBC and look at our uh, look at your investment statements incredibly often because if you watch it every day, the ups and the downs can cause stress. But um, you know, for some very risk averse clients, yeah, maybe it is important to um, uh, to have a, a significantly less aggressively invested uh, portfolio. So here's another just really thought provoking set of questions that um, maybe your financial advisor should ask you, or you can just ask yourself. And and what do you want your children to learn from you? about money. So what do you want your children to learn from you about money? And here's the opposite side. What did you learn? And this would be both positive and negative about money from your parents. Were your parents, you know, constantly talking about the rich people and, and uh, maybe kind of had the inference that if you, if you have a lot of money, you're, you're, you're not good. Um, were your parents, uh, or did your parents have a, have an abundance mindset? And, and then you can think about like, what, what messages are you giving to your children about money? And ultimately a lot of their, a lot of their attitudes and even financial success will depend on what they learn from you. Um, so really, you know, it's not all about accumulating as much money as humanly possible. 
It's really about making what you want to have happen actually happen. So some might want to make sure that they can lower their expenses so that a lower income will allow them to spend more time with family. And you know what? That is great. Um, some might want to make sure that their adult children uh, will not be burdened by them when or if uh, care becomes needed. Uh, some might want to purposefully um, be less aggressive with their investments with the understanding that they're giving away some growth potential, but um, they're fine with that because the scenario, you know, they just hate the thought of losing a significant amount of their investment portfolio and they're willing to give away some of the potential gains. So there are certain financial absolutes that I will always hold very strongly uh, to and I will defend with clients. So just as an example, if you're just a plain old person and you're in your 20s and you have a baby, I am going to pretty much insist that we have some life insurance on you. Actually, I'm going to insist that we have a good chunk of life insurance. Now, we can debate a little bit on how much money of insurance and even what type of insurance, but um, I don't think we can make any argument that uh, a young couple without life insurance uh, could be justified unless it's, it's a situation where there's just a tremendous amount of assets available um, if they did pass on. So that's a financial absolute that I would defend. I would make a strong argument that whatever client I work with needs to have personal umbrella insurance. With a couple hundred dollars per year, uh, you'll have an extra million or two or three million dollars of coverage against liability lawsuits. And um, that's almost a financial absolute. But there aren't many of those financial absolutes, but they do exist. But many of the remaining financial decisions can be based on personal preferences. So if you're someone who values family, uh, maybe you make a decision to have your expenses be a little bit lower so you can work a little bit less and even make a little bit less money but still have more time uh, with your kids. If you're a high driver and success uh, and, and even status uh, is what motivates you, then that's the other end of the spectrum. But these are all personal personal issues and these um, non-financial discussions with your financial advisor need to happen so they can help guide your decisions. And finally, number five, giving. So it's the job of your financial advisor to help you to understand how much you not me, but you should be giving. So the extents might vary, but most of us would probably agree that giving and generosity are important traits to have, right? So any financial plan um, or giving conversation should include the questions of how much should I be giving and what are the most effective and efficient ways for me to give? When you get into situations where there's higher assets amounts, sometimes charitable remainder trusts or any of the other types of plan giving instruments, they just facilitate giving and they um, they can make it more advantageous on a tax side. And, you know, who doesn't want to save on their taxes, right, while still giving? So, um, you know, if your financial advisor is not talking about giving and generosity, maybe they're missing the boat. So what do you think about these areas? And, and, and I'd be interested in your in your, um, in your your opinions. And email me at david at parallelfinancial.com if you feel like I'm missing any of the uh, hidden or forgotten jobs of your financial advisor. So we have the mortgage review. Are they looking at your mortgage or mortgages? And at least guiding you or pointing you in the right direction to make sure that you have the optimal mortgage for yourself? Are they aligning you with professionals um, who can help uh, take the important items off of your plate and quite frankly, probably handle the important items uh, more effectively than you can? 
Are they helping to guide you to make sure that you have the optimal uh, property and casualty insurance and that you're making the right decisions there? Now, we don't always have to carry all the extra policies, but we want to make sure that any coverages that we're choosing to retain is by intent and purpose, not just by default and not knowing. Is your financial advisor asking you about the what's and the why's of, um, of your financial situation and your financial decisions? Because I think that is hugely, hugely important is to know what's important to you, why it's important to you, and then you can make decisions about that. And then finally, is your financial advisor talking to you about giving? Talking to you about how much to give, when to give, who to give to, and how to give. And those are some of the things that I feel are, are, are often neglected by the financial advisors of the world. And too often we come into the, to the discussion of um, how a portfolio performed. And uh, obviously we all want to have the highest possible risk-adjusted returns for our money. But let's face it. If your financial advisor got you a couple points higher than, than another financial advisor could have or would have with your investments, but you don't have adequate insurance coverage and you have a loss, that money's gone, so it doesn't matter. Um, if your financial advisor is um, is not talking to you about some of the 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 non-financial issues of your life, you know, like spending time with your family and, and, and maintaining your health, you know, really, does that money really, really matter that much? So, so these are things that I think are important and I'd be interested in some of your input. So with that being said, I wish you a great week. We have some great episodes coming up with some exceptional guests and we're looking forward to that. And as always, email me at david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com uh, to, to, with any questions, with any feedback, with any comments, uh, please visit our website, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com, and also like and subscribe to our podcast and share it with a friend. We hope that we're providing value to you and to the lives around you, and uh, this is just a labor of love. So until next time, we wish you a blessed week.